how do we want to start? Do we just want me to, to, to kick it off? Do you want to Bree do a funny intro? Do you want a funny Christina intro? Do a funny you intro? want a funny intro? Micah, I uh, I just remember I, last time I, I was on the yeah. show you were you you had a, a funny thing, but I know your your voice is a little I, uh, I shot don't have anything funny this week. To give you Christina, <laughs> do you have a funny story to start the show with this week? I mean I'm just gutted about the fact that I've literally invested my life into a rose gold lifestyle. <laughs> And it's all for not. I'm gonna have to have a rose gold funeral. Um, oh. I, yeah, that's that, I, that, 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 I, that's all I got. I read this story, and you were the first person I think thought of, Christina. I was so sad for you. I like, was so sad. Everybody was texting me the links, and I was like, I've seen it. I'm aware. <laughs> I know. I mean, there were there were rumors last week that it was happening, and I was like trying to kind of pretend that it wasn't really happening. And then when uh, you know. Uh, 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 being Chakuo from um, uh, uh, KGI Securities reported, I was like, "Oh, oh man!" So, well, right. yeah, I mean that—that's certainly where well, we, we should, want we to begin. We should probably do an we, yeah, we do it. In, do we want to do an intro? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Micah, do pe- I, I assume people know who you are, but why don't you tell them anyway? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I will. I am uh, not Simone de Rochefort. Uh, Simone is not with us because she's, she's on a out. plane. Oh, on a plane. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I had this, you know, this picture in my mind of like out trying to find a demon to date or something. Um, <laughs> I mean, probably, I mean, look, flying, flying these days is a really scary experience. So <laughs> I would say that that's probably a possibility. How, how long some- do you think that is though, Christina, until like Simone, like, you know, we have like a pre-show meeting. She's like, y'all, I got some serious stuff to talk to you about this week. I'm sorry. It's like, I met a demon <laughs> in Austin, Texas, yes. and his name is Damien, yeah. and we're in love, and don't question my life choices. That's going to happen It is going to happen, now. and we're yeah. not going to question her life choices. We're going to nope. be all about it. I mean, at least I am. I'm support everything she does. <laughs> I am going to make sure that I give Damien a talking to and like make sure yeah. that, that, yeah. The, the, that he's abiding by the demon code and, and all of that. Um, I, I have a question, though. <laughs> Are are all demons daddies? Ooh, <laughs> I mean, now we don't we don't use the D word. We on don't the use. Show. I mean, honestly, like, uh, yeah, uh, honestly, on, you're, th- this is appropriating both demons and daddies, and I don't <laughs> know if this is appropriate for for, for, for um, a family podcast like ours. I, th- right, I think that right. this is perfectly I, appropriate for this show. Come on. Um, well, okay. Let me let me, wait, let me wait, quickly. I, I have to say before we move on, I want to know how. Now, it's been a while since I've dated because I've been married a decade, but I want to know how demon code dating is different than normal code dating. Okay, like so instead of using Tinder, um, <laughs> yeah? you, you use okay. you use uh, something called uh, Omen, and um, okay, yeah, or something yeah. like that. And five uh, finger swipe bar, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Six 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 is 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 the key yeah. to kind of get in, and exactly like you know swipe, but it's this the same concept as Tinder. It's swipe left, swipe right, but. But, you know, you're basically matching in addition to photos, you know, you have like attributes of things of, of you know, like your demon rating and, and, and how really deep See, into I, things you are, I guess. I would think I don't it'd know. be swipe up and swipe down, like things you don't like, you swipe up and things you do like, you swipe down, like toward hell yeah, and, I mean, and I, heaven. I, I can see that. I think you're right. That would be a great idea. I just figured that at this point, they're really coming late to the dating app scene. <laughs> and true. so you have to, adu- you have to, you know, use the UX paradigm that is, that everyone else is using. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone point. else. So that, that, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I think yeah, that's a great point and you, you could even maybe make that an Easter egg, but I think that, uh, that, that you're still going to, yeah, you know, sl- swiping left and right. 
if you're verified on Demon Twitter, then you can swipe up and swipe down <laughs> yes. in, oh, in the app. It's, 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 a special, uh, it's a special dating app. You know, there, there is a dating app now for real. This is not a joke for people who are only uh, verified Twitter users. Oh, God. Which oh, God. is my idea of hell, <laughs> oh, truly. God. Speaking of demons, that is genuinely oh. my idea of hell. Like, can you I think know. of anything? It is hell, yeah. Can you think of anything more, more like just frustrating um, and exasperating than, so, because here are the people who are verified on Twitter, journalists who are yeah. terrible, and you don't want to deal with that. I say this as, yeah. as, as, yeah. as, 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 as a one. journalist. As right. a journalist, yeah. We, you don't want to deal with meaty people. Then you have, um, you know, like genuinely, like kind of famous people. They're a pain to deal with, right? Because they've got yep. famous people problems. And then you have, like, quote unquote, influencers who have applied oh, to be verified because they really want that status. So you got like social media marketers and all of that. So you got somebody who has like, you know, like 500 Twitter followers. And, and if you have 500 Twitter followers and you're verified, I'm not judging you. I mean, I am a little bit like mostly just because you probably applied to be verified. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like the abuse tools are better, blah, 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 blah. But also you just wanted that, that blue check mark. And so you can imagine, you know, the pre-dating stage is like, oh, well, how many followers do you have? Oh, well, are your DMs open or closed? <laughs> oh, well, you know, how long? Like, it, I just can't even imagine the insufferability of only dating verified Twitter users. Like to me, that's just like it. You know, there's there's the league, which is the invite only tender. This mm-hmm. is like that, but like, but really bad. So it, it's I, even I would worse. say this though, and this is I, I'm 100 percent against this idea, but I would say it does have the benefit of you know you're actually talking to someone like you can put like a face and a criminal record and this like all those things to a person because like you never know who you're talking to on Twitter. Like I, that's the only thing I can think that it has going for it. Yeah, that's probably true. There's probably uh, there's there's probably something something to be said for that. But I still like, to me like I'm like you. I, I've been with the same person for ten years, and um, so it's been I haven't had to use any of these apps, and I'm very grateful for that because I feel like I, I it, yeah, it's like that's like I, I I say I say to Grant, I'm like we can never break up because I don't want to get on these apps. Oh God, um, no! It, yeah, and then your girlfriends will be telling you like their latest Tinder horror story, oh, totally. of which they're like five a day. Oh yeah, yeah I swear you like come back from dinner with them, and then I'll like hold my husband close. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Although I'm never I'll, getting divorced. I forgive you. Ever, that said, ever. oh yeah. that said, my favorite game is to talk with my single friends and take their phone from them, and then they'll let me play Tinder on their phone or Grinder <laughs> or or you know. Um, you know, okay, Cupid or whatever, because they're all the same thing. Yeah. Or Bumble, Bumble is a, a popular one. So they'll let me play Bumble or Tinder on their phone, and I do play it like a game. And you know, sometimes I'm trying to match with somebody who, you know, a guy or a girl I think that they'll really like, and then sometimes I just see someone really ridiculous, and I go, "Oh yeah, Carrie, you're totally going on a date with this person," <laughs> and she she'll, she'll be like, "Why?" I'm like, "Oh, because her profile was this, and because she had like uh, like blood like." running down her face in her profile yeah, and you have right. to and and I've already started a conversation so do you, you have to continue this now um she'll oh my like, god she'll be like that is a great idea eight? like yeah that's actually a great tv show so, so okay I, I have to say you know we, we we have a verified uh app where you can find out who you're dating I just want to tell you all that it's verified that the people that you're listening to some 10 minutes into the show uh, <laughs> my, my name my name is Micah Sargent I am a senior editor at Mobile Nations we have of course candidate for U.S. House of Representatives Brianna Wu Woo-hoo. how you doing Bri I'm feeling good Micah I need to check for you're allowed to be on the show are you Twitter verified <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Indeed. Okay. You can be here. <laughs> and and are Great. you are you Bree? 
Uh, I guess so. I don't know what this is. (laughs) And senior content PM at Microsoft, Christina Warren. Christina, are you verified? I am. And and yeah, I, I definitely am, unfortunately. See, uh, you two were real verified oh, before yeah. they like lowered the standards and let people like me I, in. I, like, I've, been ver- yeah. I've been verified since like 2014. Um, I was like the first wave of like media invites. So yeah. Uh, it's, you it's- know, I, I came late in that game. I remember the day that it happened. There was like this this so, sort of weird uh, whisper going around the office. And it's like, hey, if you show up on camera, then we need your Twitter name. We need this, that, and the other. And then they took those things from us. They sent it off in an email to somebody somewhere and some like uh, some probably Antarctica, and right. then suddenly there was a check mark on my <laughs> on my got uh, a form mark. next day. Yeah, can, what can happened? I tell you guys like the real story of how I got Twitter verified? Sure. I've never told anyone this. And this is a great Ooh, story. Exclusive. So you have to remember back in I think I was verified at like the beginning of 2015 or something. Like Twitter's abuse tools were crap. They were at that awful. Point. Like yeah. even really bad. And verified users had a quality filter attached to it. So for me. I was literally like still getting death threats, constantly rape threats, and just that's all my Twitter was. So they wrote John Syracuse about verifying him because he got taken off at some point. And John Syracuse actually went to bat for me in back channel and said, you know, I would appreciate it. Like, this sounds great and all, but you really need to like go look at my friend Brianna Wu, who is like, you know, still dealing with all this Gamergate stuff. Can you please go ahead and verify her? And Twitter did that and they looked at me and I got verified because John Syracuse went to bat Aww. for me, for which I will always be eternally That's amazing. Grateful. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it, but it, it's sad that it like took that, you know, for like when somebody is being attacked. But anyway, that just goes to show that the verified system then now forever is is broken and a dating app for it is ridiculous. ridiculous. Yep. Um yep. but but not as ridiculous as the fact that rose gold iPhones might <laughs> no longer be a thing. <laughs> finally, finally we're to this topic. Um yeah, it's we've heard some rumors that uh, the iPhone 8 is not going to come in rose gold. Now, there are a bunch of different rumors out there, a bunch of different mock-ups out there, a bunch of different uh, colors out there. But we've seen that the gold is going to stick around, but it might get a little bit more coppery. Yeah, it's like We're a copper gold. Yeah. Coppery sort of. Uh, it, it's like salmon colored almost. There's the jet black color and then a like silvery white color because the back is supposed to be glass right yeah the, the back is supposed to be glass and so yeah you're gonna have like your jet black color the silvery white color which actually looks nice and that's probably what i'll get like if frost the, that's probably what i'll get if 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 this copper color is legit because okay so first how last week rumors started um you know there was some uh, images on on weibo which is chinese twitter where all the good stuff is like it's, it's like the opposite of actual twitter my 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 colleague is chinese and she uses weibo all the time and she shows it to me and like weibo looks awesome like it's filled with gifs and like you know cat images and memes and like it looks fun and like you know leaked photos from places it's it's not full of you know the horror show that is twitter which <laughs> i both love and hate right um but you know the these back panels leaked and i saw it and and they were talking about this copper gold color, and I was like, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe the rose gold is going away. I don't want to believe it, right? And um, I um, and then what happened is is uh, that that Ming Shi Kuo, who uh, is is an analyst for um, KGI Securities, um, he's a very well known and accurate Apple analyst, and he released a note that basically said, yeah, um, there are only going to be three colors, 
And um, one of them, they're just calling it gold. And and who knows if that'll be like the copper gold that we've kind of seen the images of or, or what. But regardless, rose gold as we know it, according to 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 um to, to Quo, is not going to be around. And um, I mean, and I feel bad. I've I've spent the last two years advocating for rose gold, making it part of my lifestyle, making it part of my brand. So I feel sad for me, but I, I really feel sad for all the people that I've convinced to buy rose gold <laughs> products because now what are you going to do? Um, anyway, I, I want to hear, hear you guys' thoughts, especially you, uh, Micah, because I'm someone, you're someone uh-huh. that I convinced to buy a uh-huh. rose gold iPad. So, so how do you feel about, about the fact that I'm going to have to have a rose gold funeral for all the gadgets I've bought? Because here's the thing. I have all my stuff carefully matched, like all the color matches. If the color is off and if it's not the same shade, what's the point of me having the rose gold beats? What's the point of me having the rose gold 12 South stand? What's the point of me having the rose gold Ola clip? What's the point of me having the rose gold uh, battery charger? What's the point of me having the rose gold lightning cable? Oh like, it's what even is worse because didn't you like buy a, a second pair of headphones in one year yes. just to get rose gold? Yes. Yeah. So, I, yeah. so you know what's going to happen? I'm gonna have to buy yet another pair of Beats, uh, you know, uh, uh, Beats Wireless, um, that uh, <laughs> are the exact same technology fundamentally of a pair that I've had going back a couple of years now, um, because now it'll be the copper gold, and I'll have to match my phone that way. It's it's insane. No, no, no. I'll tell you what you do, Christian Warren. Is and by the way, just listeners, you know, I was diagnosed with pneumonia today, so if I'm coughing and my voice is off, that's why. Christina, this is what you do: you hold on to all of that rose gold stuff, and then in ten years, it's going to be so retro, just like Baby Driver and the iPod right. was retro, and you are going to be styling it like a mofo walking yes. down the streets okay. Okay. with all rose gold and your old model iPhone that doesn't have 3D AR stuff on it, and you're going to be even more badass than you are today, if that's even possible, okay. which it's not. No. Yeah. All right. You know what? That, I, I, I trust you on that because I still – I look back 10 years ago when I got my black MacBook, which is still, I think, my favorite MacBook ever, and I – I, I will never get rid of that because it was such a great color. So I th- okay, yeah. I, I feel I feel a little yeah, better. Yeah, that's true. That I, is like I, I I love that thing. Too. I don't have one, but I you know see those occasionally, and I'm like, this is this is good. This just I'm glad that it exists. So yeah, I think you just you know you get a flavor flave chain and you wear all your rose gold products <sighs> around your neck in ten years. I just and- yeah, in ten years. But I'm gonna have to have a funeral in the meantime. But what do you think, Micah? Because oh, I- absolutely a funeral. Because okay, I, I, yes, it was uh, WWDC, and I finally saw the rumored rose gold iPad that is Christina's, yep. and Beautiful. it has it's it's got the 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 text on the back, and it's. What does it say again? It says C-Max iPad. It's pink and fabulous. Yes. And that day, so I had my iPad Pro at the time stolen and I needed to get a replacement. Um, and I decided to shrink down from the 12.9 to the 9.7 at the time. And I knew that I was going to get the rose gold. I immediately, you know, after seeing that iPad, I knew that's the one that I wanted, got the rose gold. I have the rose gold iPhone now. And as many opportunities as I can, as I have had to get rose gold stuff, I get rose gold stuff because I, I just, I really like it. Uh, you know, some people complain that it's a little too pink and, uh, I just, I think it's, I like it. I think it's, it's I love it that a major tech company is 
making a choice to put out like their flagship product that the company depends on in a, a color that I think we'd all agree is probably more feminine than like any anything else is coming out. And I just love that. I, I love the color. I love this just a, you know, because like women, uh, so often we're like marketed like pink tech products. Do yep. you know what I mean, Christina? I, I do. Like, I've written about it. We all hate that. We all yes. hate that. I've never met a woman that likes that stuff. And this is subtle and it's understated. And I just. And it's, I, and it's I, the same quality yeah. as what you're getting otherwise. Like exactly. my, my, my last Gizmodo piece was all about, was my ode to Rose Gold. And it was like a joke blog that I, I pitched and they were like, no, actually write that. And, 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 and I was like, it's the best thing that ever happened to tech. And I will, I will hear no arguments. And obviously it was hyperbolic, but like part of my broader point in that was that historically, like you're right, like we had pink tech but usually what it means is that you're paying more and you're getting the crappier version. Yep. And yep. for, for what was great about Rose Gold is that it's the same price and the same quality. It's just another color option. It's just, they treat it like any other color. You're not paying a tax to have to get it. And, and, and you're not having to you know, accept um, a lesser quality product to get it. And and I love that. And and um, you know, and it was it, it I know for a time it was very popular. I have to imagine if this is true, maybe they saw, you know, sales um fall. I have to say part of that is probably because, you know, they introduced the matte black and and, and the jet black iPhones and and, mm-hmm. and people like to get the new colors. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, it's like they've kept they've had gold since the iPhone five S. Um and they they've they've adjusted that a few times. Like why I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, it, that's it's. I don't understand why this color has to be the one to go. I, you know, people will probably write in to say, "Well, gold is very popular in China," and I know that. I get that. I understand yeah, absolutely. that. But so is rose gold. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like the the other color was still a very popular color, and you know. I, it's just frustrating because I really – I think that a lot of people did kind of do this whole dive in. You know, you, you pick a color and you kind of stick with it and then you start to, as Christina did, really build out your gadgets surrounding these things. And instead of just like uh, – two, what I what I don't like about this is if the rumors are true, Apple almost is saying like – I feel like you, if you're going to do this, you just got to go all in on it or yeah. don't. And instead, they're like, oh, no, we'll make a gold with this slight bit of and yeah, in, I don't want yeah. that I don't, I don't want, want that, that either no, I don't want that either and, and, and it, it is garbage and and, and it'll I mean, clash we, it'll clash with everything I'm just I'm very I'm not into this Who honestly wants to walk down the street with a accessory that's going to be the same color as the plumbing under your sink right? I just don't know who that <laughs> is and, and, and look, maybe, I don't maybe, know who that is and maybe I'll be surprised I'll see it in person and I'll really like it but I have a feeling what's going to happen is that if they don't make a rose gold one and if it doesn't match you know the finish close enough to my existing gadgets what I'm going to have to do is get the get the white one. Uh, yep, you know, I'm going it, white if it's uh, yep. it, it, because the, the, that's really my only option as I see it. And see, a lot of people complain about uh, the the white devices, the white front devices, because of the fact that you can see the screen and blarty blarty blar, and you you know it doesn't disappear into the whole front and et cetera, et cetera. That has never bothered me. Me I, either. I, I get I get that argument. I understand where that comes from. Yeah, that's I never bothered it. me. Like it's the never screen bothered is. Me. Well, the screen is is what it is, and that's actually one of the other rumors. So you know we've we've had at this point uh, a ton of rumors have come out about the iPhone. Um, Eight or the iPhone Pro or whatever they're going to call it. There is debate about what the name will be. I mean, I would love them to do a throwback. I do not think they will because it was a Gil Emilio decision, and and we don't like to talk about him. But I would love it if they called it like the 10th anniversary iPhone. 
um, you know, it, it, uh, a la the 10th anniversary Macintosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be like a nice just like throwback, but I don't expect them to do that. Um, but um, uh, you, uh, Bree, you'd pointed out this video um, that, uh, that the Marcus Brownlee uh, put together on YouTube. That Oh, he, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. So he, he basically, Can we just take a second before we go on and just talk about how much talent he has? Oh, he's fantastic. It just, it, it just makes – I. I you watch his videos and if you don't know him, he is somebody that does like unboxing and tech videos. He has on like YouTube. two million. Yeah, he has like two million subscribers. He's and huge. He is so flawlessly like engaging and natural and relaxed and informative. It just blows my mind. How good yeah, he is. no, he's great. It's so funny. I remember a number of years ago him coming by Mashable and us doing some stuff together when he was just getting started and and being really impressed with him. And it's been great to see his rise and his success. And he's. He's killing it, but he, um, you know, at this point, uh, at, partially from Apple's own doing, you know, they accidentally released a uh, HomePod firmware, and um, uh, Stephen Stoughton Smith uh, was able to kind of go through it and found glyphs of what the new iPhone will look like, and and um, Sunny Dixon, who's also known for leaks, was able to get Marcus. Um, a, a a kind of a dummy device, I guess, what would kind of be what case manufacturers would use when, when designing an iPhone. And so it's our best look yet at what the, what the iPhone, the expensive, you know, OLED version uh, will be. And uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts because it, it, to me, um, <laughs> it, there, there's some good parts to it and there are some bad parts. But when you talk about that front screen, uh, Micah, you know, like the, the white problem, that goes away, right? Like mm-hmm. at this point, literally the front is the screen and you have a tiny little grill where you have you know, some, some front-facing camera sensors and, and an ambient light sensor, front-facing camera and ambient light sensor, um, and, and I guess a speaker, and then the rest of it is just screen. But, but yeah. I want to hear you guys' like, thoughts about what you think of the design. Because at this point, color we're not sure about, right? There, there's still a chance. Come on, Apple. Keep Rose Gold in the family. Um, right. Hear our plea. <laughs> um, but, but I think at this point, especially because they leaked the glyphs themselves and, and the HomePod uh, firmware that wasn't supposed to be public – I think this is what the next iPhone looks like. I, I, I yeah, have no doubt I do in my too. mind, right? I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I think it looks gorgeous. I really think yeah, it looks I agree. gorgeous. But y'all, that that little, like, it's a little, it, it's like the screen is not rectangular. Mm-hmm. At the top, there's like a little notch that cuts like a out lip. of it. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, you've always got this stuff on both sides of it. And I just find it so distracting. It's hard to imagine using a phone and ever getting used to it. I mean, it's like we complain about the camera bump all the time on the back. Yeah. And now it's like a camera bump in everything you're reading all the time. And yeah. you know, we read top down. And I am just, you know, I understand the design impetus. And, uh, you know, I understand that, like, you know, the iPhone does have a much larger forehead and chin than most other smartphones out there, and the bezels are just ridiculously big. And I'm willing to give Apple the benefit of the doubt that, like, 3D scanning technology for your face is going to work. If yeah. I'm very skeptical. I'm very skeptical, too. I mean, but, yeah. but even that, like, the design of it, I'm just like, I, it looks gorgeous, but I can't get past that little rectangle at the top. So I think it's going to be interesting how Apple chooses to approach this because they have shown – I've seen a couple different mock-ups out there. In fact, uh, my colleague Renee Ritchie shared a screenshot of kind of two of the different options that they might take. And one option just has you know your normal wallpaper background and your little icons for battery and all that jazz up on the left and right side of the notch. But the other option shows a color-matched uh, screen area 
two, whatever the notch happens to be with the icons on top. So if you can imagine if you've got the, the white iPhone where the little notch is white, then they would do up the screen in that top area white with black icons so that you could see them. And in, in the case of a black iPhone, you would have a black line running across the top on either side, left and right, with those icons showing up in white. Mm-hmm. And so it would almost give the impression of a direct line across, which is sort of what we have now, yeah. but it's just further up, you know, up, 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 way towards the top. So you have plenty of rectangular screen and you just have this one little area that's just a line of bezel instead of the big thick bezel that we have right now. I think that would be a clever way. I, I don't know how it would work exactly in the white because with an OLED screen, of course, we know that uh, the black is just completely shut it's off. Completely and so shut it's going to exactly. match. It's going to match really well with the notch that's there. But with white, they're literally going to be after going to be pumping through like the brightest possible light. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how that would match if they do choose that option. Yeah, but I mean, what if you're in bed? I mean, like something I do every single night is, you know, I lay in bed and I wait to fall asleep and I play Final Fantasy 15, like a new <laughs> empire on my phone for like seven hours, you know? Like, like, <laughs> and that's and why then, you can't sleep. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it's, but I mean, I, I can't be the only one that like reads a lot in the dark with oh, my I do. iPhone. Yeah. And it's, oh, me yeah, too. That's going to that's gonna bother you a lot. It, definitely. There, I mean, they're so. going to have to do something you know, with iOS 10 when they introduced the, um, um, kind of the their version of Flux, um, or was oh, it? Yeah, I- what's that called? Uh, uh, or was it iOS nine that that, that it happened? Um, might night have been shift. Night shift. Yeah, when they introduced night shift mode, that was great for me because I'm I'm like you. I'm either playing games or I'm reading late at night, and so having it have that kind of you know more warm color tone is important. And I assume they can do that with OLED, but it might be more difficult. But yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. I mean, I could see, like. I think that's an interesting point that, you know, I think Renee's mock-ups were great and kind of show some interesting things. But that raises interesting questions about um, how they will deal with that bump and, and what that will do for kind of usability. Speaking of usability, I mean, I'm still, I'm not sold on this, this, this 3D face scanning thing. Um, nope. Replacing the 3D touch, or not 3D touch, the, the you know, um, uh, touch ID. And I'll tell you why. It's a couple reasons. One, historically that technology has not been super reliable. It's gotten right. significantly better, but historically it hasn't been super reliable. And, and I mean, like Microsoft has actually really uh, kind of pioneered a lot of this, at least in consumer tech. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the windows hello works extremely well on, on devices that support it on the, the latest version of uh, windows 10. It's extremely fast. You know, I, I use mm-hmm. it every day at work and, and in most circumstances it works really well, but here's the thing you have to be kind of in direct line of sight and you need to be kind of matched up. Um, I was I was recording a video today and I was using my Surface um, uh, Pro, um, or excuse me, my Surface Book um, as a kind of a, a, a device to ask people questions. And so I had it in tablet mode, you know, uh, it, um, and um, in uh, portrait mode. And if the screen locked, you know, I'd have to kind of look into the camera and because of, of where it was kind of situated, it had to kind of, because of the lighting setup and whatnot, it was more difficult to get it to recognize me, but you could do it. But if, for instance, if I'm outdoors, which is a very frequent occurrence with your iPhone, Windows Hello doesn't work super well. Now, I'm really? not saying it, it doesn't because the, the glare kind of bounces off the camera, makes it harder for, oh. for, it, for it to recognize your facial features. Now, I'm not saying that Apple can't come up with fantastic technology that can get around all that. I believe that they can, but I think that there are a number of challenges that you have with this. You know, lighting is a big one. Is, is, are you well lit enough? Um, are you overlit? Um, how much, how, how, you know, 
in front of the camera do you have to be? How long does it take? Right now, the Touch ID sensors, especially on the on the 7 and 7 Plus, are so incredibly fast. I have a hard time believing that the facial recognition sensors will be that quick. Uh, my other concern is when it comes to some of the uses of Touch ID beyond simply, you know, unlocking apps or your phone. I mean, Apple Pay is a huge one, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I use Apple Pay every day. Mm-hmm. And how yeah, Apple Pay absolutely. works is, is you know, you, you can either enter in a pen or you use Touch ID on your phone. And again, if you've got a really fast sensor, like on the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, but even the 6S um, uh, is quite fast, you know, pressing that button, it's instantaneous. You hold, you know, you hold it above the, the NFC sensor, you press down on that home button, you tap, you know, ha- just have your finger over it and it, um, you know, it pays and it approves Ta-da! and you're done. Yeah. It, it, it's super quick. You get a little vibration, you're done. I don't, you know, when I'm thinking from a strictly usability standpoint, when I pay every day for my lunch with Apple Pay, um, I don't have to stare at my phone. I don't have to be in a weird position. I can be in line and, and hover over a cash register thing and press and have my finger pressed down and I'm done. And it takes me, a, you know, a quarter of a second. This, if I'm under, you know, depending on, on how the technology works, if I've got to have a line of sight with my phone and my face while I'm in front of the NFC sensor, that's not going to be a great user experience. Like, it's going to be harder for me to buy my, my lunch every day. Um, I mean, may, maybe they will have something that will ma- miraculously work. But I, I have concerns both from how good it will be and what the edge cases are, as yeah. well as, you know, kind of the yeah. usability things. And, and Okay, can I give a counterpoint to of this? Course. I mean, so this is my read on this. You know, we are seeing some videos come out on AR Kit. That yeah. are fracking stunning. They are. Just They're doing amazing really, stuff. Really, yeah. really, really, really interesting stuff. And something that did not get written about much at all at WWDC this year was ARKit and the fact that uh, some of the APIs use the specialized sensors in the iPhone, uh, the iPhone. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. 7, 7S Plus, 7S yeah. Plus, yeah. Plus uh, right. to do depth uh, perception between right. those. I have to believe that if Apple is making this really big push into AR, and I think they are because the stuff that's coming out is freaking stunning. And I mean, Tim Cook mentioned it on the earnings call too. Yeah. He called it out. I think that they are going to have some really, really high-tech stuff that's going to work a lot more like the Kinect uh, in the way that the Connect does sure. it, so if you if you've seen like Paranormal Activity, I think it was four. Like the the Connect was part of the horror movie mm-hmm. because it shoots out all these pinpoint lasers that you can see in the dark. So like if you get some IR goggles and look at a Connect, right. you see like these magic things put everywhere. I believe the iPhone is going to have technology like that. So it can do AR stuff and face scan. So yeah. I think that like whatever is in there is not going to be light dependent. It's going to be more like the Connect. Okay, more, okay, that makes sense. Could I touch on that too? Because I, it, it's funny that you mentioned that, Brie. I, I also agreed with you, and that's why I chose to uh, do up a whole story on iMore about uh, the because I dug into the the photos, um, basically everything that came out of photos at WWDC, and watched all of those videos and talked about. Uh, it's so funny. One of the the engineers, the lead engineers on the depth sensing camera, he calls any sort of thing involving depth. He calls it depthy, and that is like my favorite adjective now. <laughs> and Renee and I use that a lot. So. The depthy stuff in iOS 10 and, or sorry, in iOS 11 combined with the camera that we have now in the iPhone 7 Plus and that we will have in the iPhone 8 models and whatever that happens to be, the pros and yada, 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 it is 
It's yeah, I agree. It's going to be excellent because right now with uh, iOS 11, any developer now can take advantage of that depth sensing and can use that to make really interesting filters. And there's already a bunch. It's I think it's going to be a combination of technologies. So yes, ARKit is powered by the depthy nature um, of the iPhone 7 Plus model. Like it gets better if you have that phone. Uh, the iPhone 7 and, and iPads and things can do a certain level of ARKit stuff, but the real ARKit stuff is with the depth sensing camera. Right. Um, there. They're combining ARKit. They're combining everything that they're putting out right now with uh, machine learning. And they're combining that with all of the extra depthy features that they've added to that. All of those things combined are going to make for a real... And we've seen kind of some of the leaks there with the smart cam, I think is what they're calling it. Um, so yes, there. this is going to still be... It's going to have a lot of uh, different things. But I, I was just talking... I remember when uh, not too long ago, the, the new iPhone with its not actual button home button came out and people were talking about their gloves in winter that have the little the little fibers in them yeah. that make them able to be pressed on things. There was a whole Twitter breakdown because some people weren't able to touch the button. So we have Touch ID and if you get moisture involved, then Touch ID doesn't work. Sometimes if you don't put your thumb or finger you know, in a, in a position that it recognizes, it doesn't work. So there are going to be pros and cons. But I do agree that with this technology being so new, and especially, Christina, what you touched on there with uh, the Apple Pay, because like you have the, the one thing, that's, like you have the benefit of being able to use it pretty frequently. It sounds like like pretty much every day. Yes. For me, I kind of use it. Uh, it's still not like super pervasive here. And so I use it maybe like twice a week. And I still, because I don't get to use it every day and see it succeed, I have a lot of anxiety every time I use it. Like, no, oh gosh, is it going to fail? And so if we have a t- if we have a face model, you know, where it's got to see my face, then I'm like, oh no, I don't even want to use this now because what yeah. if it fails? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's I, 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 that's my biggest concern. I, I think you guys made great points about you know kind of the Connect sensor and, and some of the IR stuff that it'll do, and I, so I, I feel a little bit better about that. But from a usability perspective, I think Touch ID has been really good for a lot of reasons, and so I do have concerns about how they're going to replace that in a perfect world. Um, they would have both, right? You would have your 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 depthy, you know, uh, face sensing camera that you would use for AR stuff and potentially to unlock if you wanted to do that. And then you would have a touch ID sensor either embedded under the screen that would be able to be, you know, read through or, you know, on, on the side or, or on the back. But, you know, right now it doesn't seem like that's going to, going to happen. It doesn't seem, early reports are that they weren't able to get the technology working so that you could use touch ID under the screen. Maybe those reports are false. Who knows? But that's that's still kind of my big question mark on this: is that is this going to be a step backwards for usability um, and 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 for effectiveness? Right? Because Touch mm-hmm. ID has been such a huge success for Apple from a security perspective. When uh, when I had a briefing with them back in 2016, um, in the wake of the Apple versus FBI stuff, you know, they they kind of showed how much more people had increased locking their phones and having you know good passcodes post Touch ID because of that requirement and, and how, hmm. you know, much it, it's, it's been a huge win for them. And, and, and I, I don't want to see, you know, if, if it becomes too complicated or if it doesn't work, because the problem is, I mean, you, you, you hit on the nail on the head, uh, Micah, when you're talking about Apple pay, you have that anxiety early on. Some of the systems didn't work as well. And so it's kind of like Siri, if you use it and it doesn't work, you're not really willing to try it again. Um, and, and I can say, because I do use Apple pay every single day because we have, um, uh, Apple pay and, and other, you know, uh, NFC based payment systems, uh, in, in all of our cafes at work. Um, 
like I, I can trust it. But if I didn't have that level of, of trust where I use it every day, I would feel like you were a little bit of anxiety. And, and I, I, I am concerned with this, if they don't get it just right, if it becomes cumbersome, then this will be a step back for people adopting Apple Pay, which is important. But also, I think more broadly, if you don't get this totally right, um, and, and I trust that they will do everything they can, but but it, it's still a concern. You know, I don't want people to not have good passcodes, you know, like they did in the pre-touch ID days. I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I do think that we should probably uh, move on yeah. to our next topic. But any last thoughts there, Bree? No, that was a. Uh, I I I was worried. I when we were talking about this topic, I was like, Micah, there's not enough meat here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we did. We certainly did. Uh, well, well, speaking speaking of finding meat, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients, including meat. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients, and they're building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. And by shipping the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, Blue Apron is reducing food waste. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. I have to tell you, I absolutely love Blue Apron because uh, there are a few food services out there that you can order online and they'll get delivered to you. And they don't come with the protein. Like they don't come with the main part of the meal. So you have to go to the store and get that. And I thought that that's what Blue Apron was going to be because they sent uh, sent me a box of Blue Apron to try out. And so I was ready to go to the store as soon as the box arrived and get like the chicken or the fish or whatever it happened to be. I opened it up and I was like, Shane, that's my partner. The fish is in here. The chicken's in here. Everything was in there that I needed. And I was able to make three different meals. They were all delicious. Of course, I took Instagram photos of them and posted them and bragged about my delicious meals because I was so excited. Um, You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. And you're going to be able to cook meals like basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, miso butter salmon and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charm tomatoes, sauteed shrimp and green beans with globe tomatoes, spinach and orzo pasta, meatball pizza with Fresh mozzarella cheese. My goodness, that sounds good. Whole grain can, pasta. Can I just say something right here? Yeah. Any Asian like option for the week when you're picking Blue Apron, that's the one to get. Just trust me on that. The Asian options are always, always, always the best meals. And you know, like my husband is like, you know, he's Chinese and like it's the real stuff. Cause so much of like what we get in this country is like Americanized versions of these foods it is so good. Oh my goodness. Uh, and there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase. Yeah, three, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash rocket. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get started today by going to blueapron.com slash rocket. We'd like to thank Blue Apron for their support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I, I would give that I would give that transition between topics probably three out of four Simones. Yeah, okay. that's, that, was, think, that was that was really good. It, it, it wasn't quite Simone level because she didn't have 
I feel like Simone just throws herself into the double entendre, like with no abandon for how inappropriate it is. Like I, I, I think you could have done that better, but still very yeah. close to Simone like level. It was great. I couldn't I couldn't even do a one out of four. So <laughs> well, well, uh thank you. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to talk about yeah. rotten meat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh that, that's good. Yes. I love it. I so love you may it. have heard uh, this week uh, about a, a certain uh, anti-diversity, a, a, certain, a certain manifesto making the rounds on Google's internal meme network and Google Plus and being passed around inside of Google. Uh, there was a software engineer who posted 10 pages worth of basically, I mean, it's, it's, it's trash. It's, it's trying garbage. to say that uh, Google should not be concerned. Google's current methods of, of dealing with diversity are wrong and that women are less able to. It's so confusing. I, I, I read the whole thing and just I was I, I have to be honest with you. I was prepared because of, of the different things that people kind of shared from this, this manifesto to just already know what was what kind of garbage was going to be in it. So I'm reading along and I'm like, oh, garbage, oh, garbage, 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 garbage. Then it got to the part where it said, it said that, that Google should focus on decreasing empathy in the company. Yep. And I was ready to flip mother effing tables. I was just, I just lost it. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, I, I first want to give a shout out to the reporters who broke this story because apparently, you know, it started floating around middle of, of, of last week and became kind of public. People were talking about it on Twitter and other places and, and motherboard first reported the existence of the document. And then, uh, Gizmodo, Google Gizmodo actually published the full text uh, and, and, and since um, everything has come out, originally the, the text didn't have some of the charts or hyperlinks that were involved because I, I believe that they wanted to kind of help mask the identity of, of the people that were involved because it was an internal document and had a lot of internal links. But that whole text, and including the charts and graphs, is now available too. But, um, you know, really, really good reporting, especially for a Saturday uh, from both teams. Um, and and, and it, it started a, a global conversation. You know, the Gizmodo post with, with the memo has um, over a million page views. And uh, so, so that it's it's been read by many many people, and many many people have weighed in. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of I I, I saw the original motherboard story, and then I thought, oh, I had and I had an idea. I was like, oh, I have a very good idea of what these arguments will be, and they're all trash, as you were saying, and and, and they're not based in reality. Um, this is the sort of thing you see a lot of times in the comments on Hacker News. Um, and, and, and on Reddit and places like that. And, and, and it's, it's, it's standard kind of talking points to kind of, um, you know, make excuses, uh, for, for prejudice, frankly. Um, and then I read the whole screed and I was just, I was apoplectically angry and I still am at this point. I don't, I don't even want to talk about this that much because it's, it's so upsetting to me that in 2017, someone feels empowered. If you have these opinions, that's fine. Um, I don't agree with you, but you're, you're, you're welcome to have free expression, what what's what's stunning to me was that this this person felt empowered to share this document not just with members of his team but with the greater Google community mm-hmm. with, the, with 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 basically all of his coworkers you know with the entire the entire company and 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 felt like you know these views are are acceptable and and that the real threat to Google's you know culture is that in his mind there's there's too much empathy 
um, diversity is is taken too seriously, and and that conservatives aren't given um, a, a enough uh, attention. And like, look, there are some valid points in saying maybe there's an echo chamber around. Um, you know, political thought and, and, and the way people see things. I think that's actually a, a valid critique, right? Uh, but I, I think that the only way we as a society get better is if we hear other people's perspectives, even if we disagree with them. Where I fundamentally disagree with everything that's that's in the memo is is when he starts to, to citing, citing theories and, and, and studies that have been disproven. And frankly, we don't have enough data on to basically say that men and women are um, built differently and that women are more social and, 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 and men are more logical and that as a result, women are, are less inclined to be able to be good software engineers. And, you know, the, 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 the ways to solve the problem would be to have pair programming, but that might not work because the men might not want to work on teams. You know, the whole thing is just really, um, to me, it just seemed like kind of a, a way to ha- kind of have an excuse for, I have this perspective of why I think, you know, a gender and, and people, you know, of, of certain backgrounds are inferior to me. And I want to use pseudoscience to prove that to try to get away or get around working with people who I think I'm better than. And, and it just, you know, it reinforces the gender stereotypes, which have been disproven so many times and which aren't, you know, which people look, are men and women different? Yes. No one is, I, I'm not arguing that, but I think to the, to say that there is a di- difference in ability level, uh, uh, even, even like if you're, if you're taking a huge population samples and, and, and looking and saying, oh, you know, women on the, on average are going to be less able than men is a t- terrible thing to say, especially since history doesn't bear that out. Um, Farouk Gates, who is Curifier on Twitter, he had pointed out, you know, that and it wasn't, and this has been pointed out by many other people, but I thought his thread on this was quite good, that, you know, until the 80s, when computer engineering and computer science became really lucrative, more and more women were involved. And in fact, when you look at early computer scientists and computer engineers, the role of programmers, frankly, they were women. And, and, and it was because it was lower paid work. And then as with so many industries, as soon as it became profitable, as soon as it became lucrative, then men started coming in and women started moving out. And I think we need to kind of, when, when you look at that, and especially, and, and this was like high level assembly level programming, you know, this is stuff that by today's standards would be very difficult. Um, this is, this isn't about, you know, cognition and recognition. If you look at other hard sciences, if you look at math, even, you know, women's graduation rates and, and women's success rates and, and women staying in the industry, is significantly higher than it is in CS. So there's something else going on, and it's not ability-based. And I, and I think that, that to pretend that it is is insulting for a number of reasons. And I also think, and I'm going to shut up and let you guys talk, but what really bothered me about, you know, kind of the, the memo and the way that he wrote it is, is that, you know, he was kind of implying that people who got jobs or some of the people who got jobs at Google got it because of, of minority status and, and that they wouldn't be good enough otherwise. When if we're being honest, you know, the highest of the highest people are working at companies like Google. So for any woman or person of color or minorities to even get an interview and to get through the process, they have to go through so many other hoops compared to anyone else. So you're talking about really high rank, high level people and how insulting to your, to your colleagues to imply that they're not good enough. That they're not as good as some, as some, some schmo off the street when to even get in the door and go through the interview processes, which having been, you know, through an interview loop at, at a major tech company, I can say is stressful and, and is, is difficult to, to imply that it's just some sort of easy road and, oh, well, they'll hire anyone off the street. It's like, that's not true. You know, the, the women who are working at Google, I would, I would, I would argue, um, and, and other major tech companies have had to prove themselves over and over and over again on a way that the men haven't, many of the men have not. And, and so, you know, to, to pretend like at a company like that, 
it's not a level, it, you're, you're not talking about smart people regardless. It's just, it's insulting. And I, I can't believe that, that someone felt comfortable enough sharing yeah. that with an entire organization. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said, Christina. Um, so rather than like repeat everything you just said, um, I, I, I guess I would say this. I do believe that the left increasingly has a problem with being an echo chamber. I'll give you guys a small example. Uh, two nights ago, I retweeted an article uh, where Bernie Sanders was quoted uh, talking about universal health care. I'm not endorsing Bernie. I'm not talking about the primary. I'm not saying anything about presidential election. I'm running for Congress, and I'm talking about a health care plan. And I was deluged with angry people that, you know, like even the thought that I might be endorsing like a, a certain person got them really, really angry. They mm-hmm. just didn't want to hear it. This is a structural problem yes, on the left. I agree with you. And it's something that I don't know how to solve. Um, and I, I would go so far as to say, as someone who grew up in Mississippi, um, not the majority of that memo was right wing, but it wasn't like a fireable offense to me. Like if someone is talking about, well, I think that the reason we're having trouble hiring people is because A, B, and C, you know, I can I don't agree with it. I think it shows some unconscious bias towards women. Uh, but I don't think that's fireball. To me, when he crosses the point to saying like women are biologically incapable yes. of being engineers and says like we are neurotic <laughs> and puts all these other things out there, this is where it becomes problematic. It's not just that this person has some bad opinions. Think about this. When Engineering is so collaborative. When you're in groups, that is the guy that's going to talk over you. That's the guy that if you assert yourself is not going to take it very well and is going to like do retribution on you. That's the guy that's going to shut you out. That's the guy that's going to nuke you on performance reviews from peers no matter how good you are. So it's like a grander problem of that kind of mindset. And I would implore any guy out there listening to Rocket, talk to the women, you know, in tech in your lives and ask them this. How often have you been in meetings where the men talk to each other and not you? And 100% of them are going to raise their hands and say yes, because it's so hard for us to penetrate this culture and be accepted in it. So it's just, uh, I, I agree we can have a conversation about like including different viewpoints on the left, because it's something I find frustrating every day as a, a politician on the left. I feel like I can't openly discuss ideas because people just don't want to hear it. I think that's a real phenomenon. But, you know, it's the instant that somebody's claiming biological inferiority, like that's just hate speech, you know, yeah. and a company doesn't have to tolerate it. And, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's they uh, exactly. They said goodbye. And see, so there are two things I want to touch on because uh, like Brie, again, I agree with everything both of you said. I don't want to repeat. I just uh, – Brie, we've talked about this before, but I always have to bring this up because I think – I remember back when uh, people were getting were, – were, were going after Mike Pence for the fact that he had a certain religious belief – that prevented him from doing things. And there were yeah. a lot of there were a lot of things there that made sense. Like th- there were critiques there that made sense. However, 
you you had you had mentioned that maybe it's not a good look to go after someone for their religious beliefs. Right. And when, I remember in you the in the South, when somebody calls someone mother, that's just something Christians do with each other. They call the wife mm-hmm. mother. It always struck me as weird in the South, but it's just something people do. So, something that yeah, they did. Yeah, and yeah. and to go on and you know the, to to say that you know I need to be separate. There again, critiques that made sense, critiques that did not. And you, I remember you even had to like get rid of those tweets because people were so upset that you would even suggest that maybe it is not a good look to go after someone for their religious beliefs, because that's allegedly what we stand for, is not going after someone for their religious beliefs. So yes, I absolutely agree with both of you there. I do think that there is a problem where we have a tendency to maybe uh, too quickly silence things that maybe don't need to be silenced. The other thing that I want to say is, Let's just go ahead and pull back and look at what, you know, the the side that's allegedly on this guy's side has to say. If they're not talking about the trash opinion that in the end men are superior to women or whatever, that's trash. It's absolute trash. But let's look at this situation from like as as Vulcan as we possibly can. And as Vulcan as we possibly can goes like this. This guy joined a company. That company had a set of rules, a code of conduct. That private company had a set of rules and a code of conduct and, well, you know, publicly traded company that said that had certain rules in it. He broke those rules. He must be fired because right. he broke those rules. It doesn't matter anything other than that. Doesn't even like. Of course, it matters in in the discourse, and those are things we have to talk about. But if we're going to go from the again the Vulcan opinion here, he broke rules that the company said. If you break these rules, you will be fired. That's all there is to it. This person has to go. You have no argument past that. They have to be let go. Well, yeah. And, I mean, not only that, I mean, I, I would agree. And, and beyond that, I mean, obviously he broke their code of conduct. That's what they found. But you've, you've, you've created a hostile work environment just by the, the, the sheer you know, interest with it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you would resolve this any other way. Yeah, that, that had to happen. And there was, I, and I wish I could remember uh, who, who had tweeted this out, but there was a really good uh, set of, of, of notes about this whole thing that involve, it's sort of, again, the Vulcan way to look at this thing where we talk, they talked about how there were laws set up, anti-discriminatory laws set up and, and workplace, you know, harassment laws set in place where Google had no other option right. but to but to fire this person, even if you know Google had no moral soul whatsoever, there's still a company that still wants to make money and wants to protect itself from lawsuits. And because of those things, they had to let this guy go. So if you're going to approach this from the side that's like, no, 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 person who also thinks that women should be treated equally, don't think that. And and look at this, you know, you see, I, there are plenty of people getting tweets that were like, no, but did you read this whole thing? Oh, Honestly, yeah. yes. that's irrelevant because he broke it right and uh, yeah exactly read those things yes but all of it's irrelevant because he still broke the rules that the company had in place so you just like just miss me with all of that please just miss me with it uh yeah so again not to not to reiterate of course agree and think that that is also something that has to be taken into account that if you sign up for a job and you say that you're going to follow the rules and you break them then you gotta go because uh that's just how the world works can I just say one more thing before we move on this topic? And again, like, I just, I always want to tell our audience this. Like, we turn down on this show gender topics literally every week, like yeah. two or three of them. And, you know, it's, it's, Christina, I hate talking about this stuff. I, I don't do know too. how you feel. I, 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 I just, do too, but, yeah. but this was too big. I mean, this, this is too big. To this, was, this was international um, news. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I would say this. Um, uh, you know, Gizmodo broke a really great story this week looking at, uh, first of all, this guy lied about having a PhD from Harvard. That's one thing. But uh, he actually was putting on skits that were so sexist in nature that Harvard had to put a former formal apology out for them. So, like, even if you want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, I promise you, he is the kind of toxic coworker that is, it's the exact same situation at Uber with Susan Fowler, where it's just so difficult. It's just toxic to everyone else around him. So, you know, like, it's just a certain point people run out of chances and you have to show them the door. So, yep. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Last but not least, uh, we've heard that you need to get in and watch everything you possibly can related to Disney on Netflix because eventually that is going to go to another service where you might have to pay for both ESPN content, which I personally don't care about, but many people do, and Disney content. And those could come on one platform. They could come on separate platforms. And we might have a situation where Disney is – or we will have, rather, a situation where Disney is investing in all new content as well as making its library available to stream and watch on their platform. So Disney said, hey. Disney's leaving Netflix is the big news. Exactly. And they're they're going – they're putting a majority stake – in the Major League Baseball streaming service. So that's going to mean that they'll have uh, the technology back there to, yes. to take so, care of it. So MLB's uh, streaming stack is one of the best out there. That's what HBO switched to for HBO Go and HBO Now. Um, it, it's what a lot of uh, companies who aren't Netflix who need to kind of build their own have done. And, and, and it's been very successful. And so they bought um, a majority stake in that, as you said. But the big news that Disney announced on their earnings call is that you know last year, Disney and, and Netflix both kind of how you know bragged about this big multi-year commitment where first run Disney films um, and and as well as you know some some parts of their catalog would come to Netflix and that's why you can watch Mulan and then Bruce New Groove and a bunch of other movies on Netflix right and it's why when when newer Disney you know um, feature films come out um, after they're out of theaters and after they're out of like pay-per-view you can watch them on Netflix um, because it, it was kind of an exclusive agreement it was a, a big multi-year deal it was worth a tremendous amount of money. Uh, but but Disney has said, you know what? We've looked at it, and we aren't comfortable um, having our content on someone else's platform. We'd rather build our own, and so they're going to have their own streaming service. And and like Micah said, like it could be connected with ESPN because ESPN is supposed to have its own over the top streaming service too, or it could be separate. Um, I have a feeling they'll probably offer a bundle, but because the audiences are very different, they'll probably sell them separately. Uh, there is crossover, of course, but there are plenty of people who would want you know a movie you know uh, service you know, for their kids, for their family, or if they're, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe fans um, and, and people who are sports fanatics. And, and there's overlap, like I said, but, but not always. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a big deal. This is, when, when Disney announced this yesterday during their earnings uh, call, I was shocked. Um, part of me said, okay, what took so long? Um, they, they've tried this in, in smaller bursts before. Uh, but part of me also went, okay, you know, this is a real huge blow for Netflix. Um, because Netflix has been obviously investing a ton in original content, and that's really where they're putting all their money. And in fact, they are renewing fewer and fewer deals to kind of maintain. If you notice your your favorite older TV shows or, or movies are no longer on Netflix, it's because the the company is spending six billion dollars a year on content, but most of that is, is stuff they're trying to create in house or have exclusives on. 
But, you know, one of the deals, and it's not, it's not clear how this will play out long term, but, you know, Marvel and Netflix have, a, have, have an arrangement, you know, for, for, for uh, Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones and the upcoming Defenders show and, and some other programming, uh, Star Wars uh, programming uh, is all Netflix exclusives. And from what has been kind of clarified is that that content will remain on Netflix um, going forward. And, and the Defenders, which isn't, you know, scheduled to even finish airing, I think, until after this new Disney deal takes, takes place is continue like the second season of the defenders all that will air on Netflix um but any collaborations going forward that's the op- that's that's the open question you know Disney may choose to 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 engage with Netflix on it but it seems like more likely that whereas all the existing Marvel content that's been created in partnership with Netflix will remain there but if they were to do another Marvel property or another Star Wars property and create original content it's not going to be on Netflix it's going to be on whatever this this uh, streaming service is um but uh, I want to ask you guys because I'm I'm I just you know I got cable finally and uh, it, was, it was expensive and it was a pain in the butt to do but I did it because I needed it. Yay. Um, yeah. Um, I uh, I wonder like how many. I think that I think we're already there, but like how many streaming services are people going to be expected to subscribe right. to? Because that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking about with this, Christina. It's like close to cable now. Oh, so it, it, it's more than. I mean, honestly, if you're to add it all up, it, it depending on what cable package you get. It is. It is at cable levels. If, if you have, if you have, you know, Hulu with no commercials. If you have yep, um, I've Amazon, got that. how much is that? Seventeen uh, uh, a month? Uh, or no, something? It's, it's it's eleven. It's twelve a month for Hulu with no commercials. Um, okay, it's okay. So, so I've got that. I've got uh, Showtime. You got Showtime. I've that's got fifteen. HBO Plus. That that that's that's fifteen. Um, okay. Uh, Amazon uh, Prime Hulu. is hundred bucks a year. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, but that's. Ne- I I feel comfortable not I, putting it there because I, I would agree only, with you. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. But there are some people who use it primarily as a video thing. Like I don't. But but okay. So so but that that's an added expense. But okay. But we don't have to add that. So you have got thirty for HBO and Showtime. Netflix is so so, and that's if you want to get four K is more expensive. So right there, just with those those four well, services, CBS and Star Trek. Yeah, and that I mean, comes out. That, sure that's six dollars no. a month. So that's six dollars yeah. a month if you want to get access to the criterion collection you've got to do filmstruck so that's money um if you wanted to do um you know there are sundance has different channels um amc is actually hulu yeah we did say hulu um amc now has a service that you can only get if you're on cable where you can get like commercial free amc but you know there are a number of services but just if we have just like uh, hbo showtime um hulu and um and uh netflix and we don't include amazon you're over 50 dollars a month just for that now you've got to add in another you know, probably ten or fifteen for Disney, so that puts you at seventy dollars a month, um, and 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 that's not including your local channels, that's not including your sports, that's not including, you know, that that's just for your streaming content, and and so I, I wonder, like, I think I feel like I don't want you guys to take, but like I feel like if it were any company other than Disney, this would fail because we because we're because we're at that point where it has literally become subscription fatigue, but. Mm-hmm. Because it's Disney, because they have a fanatical audience, both parents and like Disney fans and Marvel fans too, I think it'll be very successful for them. But this this is what worries me about this is you're right. Like Marvel movies, because I like all respect to y'all parents out there. I love you. Like awesome. But I don't give a crap about their kids programming. I don't. And like there's nothing there. Like I like Disney princess movies. Like I like Frozen. I've seen it a couple of times, but like Great movie. not enough to subscribe to you know, a station sure. to watch it. Right? Marvel movies. Okay, fine. I can I can see subscribing to something for that. But what worries me now is if it's got to be like in this channel. 
Like, what the frack happens with Deadpool when the right. only place she can stream Deadpool is on the Disney Channel? Right. Or Deadpool 2. How long are they going to allow those R ratings? Can you imagine? I mean, they will. I mean, can you even imagine a Jessica Jones I on the Disney Channel? I, I can't. I, I can't. I think if they brand I it the right I, I can't if they brand it the right way, I can. And, and the reason I say that is if you look at Freeform, which used to be um, Disney, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, the Family Channel or whatever, Disney, um, you know, like they have Pretty Little Liars and they have you know, a bunch of shows that are frankly a little more risque, little and, risque and whatnot, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and, and Disney has made, you know, t- their touchstone imprint and, and now even their main studio, you know, they've made R rated films for years. Um, obviously, you know, mo- more of the adult content has really come kind of on the, on the, uh, Marvel cinematic universe side, but you're right. And, um, although Deadpool, I think is technically, I don't think that was Marvel. I think that was Sony, um, or no, it was, was Fox. It? No, it's Fox. It's Fox. Uh, oh, Deadpool is okay. Fox. Okay, so, well. so, so Deadpool might come to Netflix after all, because Fox has a pretty broad deal with them. But, but regardless, you mean, you're right. I mean, it does kind of create a branding thing. And, and I mean, and I, I do agree with you in the sense that I don't know what their incentive will be, if it's going to be the same as creating that adult content, you know, the, the, the television content, the way they were doing it for Netflix. The good news, I suppose, is that there's nothing that would preclude them from making a Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show for Netflix, even with their own service. If they looked at the audience demographics and said, okay, we have this type of audience profile who's subscribing to our service, and Netflix has this audience profile, it will be more profitable for us if we go for the Netflix audience. Um, I could see them doing that. But at the same time, I mean, I think a lot of this is is really all about them wanting to kind of own their own destiny. And... Um, I think this is this is really a bad thing for Netflix because, as I said, Netflix has bet so much on their own original content game. But what this potentially does is not only does it take away a tremendous amount of catalog content, which is valuable and, and that people subscribe to Netflix for, but it potentially takes away a content partner that has been very lucrative for them too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do worry on what you guys' take. Like, again, I think Disney can get away with this because they're Disney. Mm-hmm. But I... I I fear, especially when you see what CBS has done and some of the other things, the other studios taking suit. And, and you know, Warner Brothers has tried in various things. They have a Warner Archive channel, and, and, and you know, Universal technically has a cable network that's so de- dedicated to Universal movies, and, you know, Fox has, you know, FX movies and stuff. I, I do become concerned if they see Disney's success, thinking yeah. that they can replicate it and saying, okay, well, we're going to have our own spinoffs too, because... I don't know. I, I don't know how much more I can pay for all this stuff. You know, so, I mean, so I mean, something that I I really share your concern about Netflix. I mean, I think their uh, their independent uh, content is going downhill fast because there are a lot of just dreadful shows on there, like the Santa Clarita Diet, garbage. Not uh, good. We've made fun of on Disruption for quite a while. The show called Gypsy <laughs> that they have on there was just like. This lesbian therapist who's like cheating on her husband. I know, but it's like, no Watts. I love oh, it. I she's mean, gorgeous. It's, 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 she's it's gorgeous. Awful. It's awful, but it's hot. I, like, I'm not going to lie. It's very hot. I watched every episode. And I hated myself for it every step of the way. It was like late season. Is like later seasons of the L World. Like you're like you know you're watching because because of the hot girl girl action, but you're like God, this plot is terrible. Like Nomi Watts deserves better. But she's cheating on the dude from Alien Covenant. I can't. Okay. That's a whole nother thing. But like, <laughs> Ozarks is a good show. It's like Arrested Development meets Breaking Bad. That's a solid show. But that's only a B plus. Like, I would not subscribe to a network for that. Right. And like, when I see Showtime putting out 
Homeland, which is the best show ever. It's only getting so better. And, you Twin know, Peaks? I see Twin Peaks, like Showtime is really the bringing their A game. Yeah. And, and HBO has, has had a total resurgence, you know. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, Game Absolutely. of Thrones is not the only good thing on the network. You know, it, it just Westworld. ended. Westworld. Westworld is fantastic. Uh, and yeah, and, and, it, yeah. and um, uh, it just ended. But The Leftovers, I thought was one of the best series that they've ever had. I, I thought season three was really good. You know, yeah. It, and, and then Amazon, like, let's not forget them. Like, like Transparent, I think, is one of the best shows on TV. You know, like Mozart in the Jungle. Like, they've had really good um, shows, and they're investing big time into movies that are, that are doing very well. Um, you know, Hulu, you know, The Handmaid's Tale, is their first original series that really kind of took off and got them Emmy nominations. And it's becoming really competitive. At this point, it's like who whoever they have can Sailor pay Moon enough. Crystal. That's the only place you can see Sailor yeah. Moon. Well, I mean, so, you know, at yeah. this point, I think Hulu is the best value. I think like you have to get Netflix, but I think that yeah. in terms of catalog content, like for both movies and TV shows, I think Hulu's my favorite. But yeah, yeah but I wonder, like, are, I mean, Micah, you're a Disney fan, right? Like, are, are you gonna are you gonna subscribe to this network? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, like. Netflix, most of the time I'm using for a bunch of, of older content. Like I can, I've, I've, I just constantly watch the office over and over and over and over again <laughs> for wow, all of time. Right? It's like Shane and I can quote every single episode of the, like, we just love that show. Uh, but we also watch some other stuff on there, but most of the stuff that we watch is not the new stuff, especially now that they took away my favorite show. It took away since eight and uh, genuinely like that, that show just is, it's everything to me. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, point being here that I, and yeah, in most every other case, I would be annoyed, like, ah, another service I have to pay for. But Toy Story and A Bug's Life yeah. were like shows from, I, I was a kid at that point, like A Bug's Life, Flick was me when I was a kid. And so those shows really mean a lot to me. So whenever I heard that there's going to be like the back catalog accessible here, I will probably pay for it. The fact too, that it means Disney and Pixar are maybe making more regular content that's, you know, smaller is also exciting. So this is a wait and see for me um, because I could just, you know, like I, I've bought different movies before. Right. So I have access to that stuff. But if this means kind of getting more regular access to some of the stuff that maybe I wouldn't have bought individually, but I could go back and watch like Mulan and things like that, then yeah, I'm going to, I'll probably subscribe to it. Uh, but again, it could just be one of those situations where it's like, I'm subscribed now. I'm not subscribed in two months because I just wanted to see these things. But I agree with you ultimately that this is one of those situations where it's just because it's Disney that this seems okay. And I don't want other people to follow along because like right. I already – I pay for CBS All Access right now because I really love the show called Elementary on mm -hmm. CBS. Um, and uh, totally everybody should watch that. If they haven't yet, it's really good. It is a good um, show. And then because, of course, we're going to be getting Star Trek as well. But – I am not keen on having to pay that extra money because most of the time when my televisions are on, they're streaming Netflix content. And when they're not streaming Netflix content, Christina, they're streaming Hulu content. Because right. yes, there's some really good stuff on Hulu that you know you can watch on normal cabled television. So uh, more streaming services to pay for. It's going to uh, end up costing me more per month and it's going to get messier yes, on how because, I, because that's like one of the big things. You don't I have one interface. Of, you, exactly. You and, 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 you know, Apple has tried with TV, you know, um, Amazon has tried on their platform. Roku has tried too, but nobody has really solved the, you know, like putting it all in one place. Now and that everything's everywhere, how do I find what I I'm find looking it? for? Content discovery is something that I think none of these services or, or set-top boxes have done particularly well. They've all tried and failed to, to various degrees. Let me um, ask one final question. I know we're running late. I've got to actually go soon. But, like, what do you think um, 
when do you think it will be that we will see rebundling happen? And what I mean by that is, you know, we had kind of this era of skinny bundles and you do kind of have, you know, the over the top, you know, skinny bundles, you know, the direct TV now is the Hulu live TVs, uh, sling TV, PlayStation view. But when do you think we're going to see somebody bundle all of these streaming services together for a discount? Basically just like how cable works now. Um, Cause I think it'll probably be by 2019. I don't see why not. I mean, people are eventually going to, there's going to be pushback and we're going to have to get some sort of, of thing in place that makes this all easier and, and not too expensive. Because when people start to add things up, which they eventually will do, because we do know one thing, people are very uh, wary about spending money in the end, especially if there's like a, a like a Vox explainer or something yeah. that shows everybody, this is how much money you're spending per month. That stuff's going to take off like wildfire and people are going to be like, all right, let's figure this out. So yeah, I think that's that's accurate. All right, what are you guys doing this week? What am I doing this week? I am watching Netflix. I'm probably watching Gypsy again. (laughs) 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 Uh, God, I'm so far behind on everything, y'all. And it's just the worst on them. (laughs) Pneumonia. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get better. And, uh, yes, and then I have a trip out of town this weekend, which I will hopefully be able to make. So that's what I'm up to. Oh, man, what am I up to? Uh, You know, work, I – I'm excited because today was like my my day of, of, of a little bit of fear because uh, my co-host on Clockwise, Dan Morin, is out of the country at the moment. And that meant that I had to edit and publish and host and like plan basically everything to do with Clockwise. I had to do uh, on my own with some some tutorials that I had last week. And so I was really nervous that I was going to mess something up. Uh, but nothing got messed up. It all went out on time earlier today. No one's tweeted at the account saying, this is just 30 minutes of Micah yawning or something. Mm-hmm. So everything worked out. It was all good. Uh, so th- honestly, the rest of the week, I'm just going to try to take it easy uh, and and just relax and hang out with my dogs um, when I'm, you know, not on the clock at least. So no- nothing big to look out for. Uh yeah. What about you, Christina? Um, I've been doing a lot of video stuff uh, this week um, uh, for, for my job. And um, actually, uh, you'll be able to, uh, listeners, if, if you want to see me, um, I'm going to be hosting this week in Channel 9. Again, this week, co-hosting it. And I'll, I'll tweet the link when that's live on Friday so you can see me um, and, and, and a, a co-host uh, kind of talking about the big stories happening in the Microsoft ecosystem. And that's fun. So uh, that, that's been that's what I've been uh, looking forward to. My in-laws are also in town. That's why I've got to go uh, very, very, very soon. But uh, yeah. That, that's me. Awesome. Where, where, can, where can we find you guys on social, Bree? Uh, the Twitter machine. Twitter machine at Space Cat Gal. Micah? And if you're looking for me, you can find all the links at www.chihuahua.coffee. Okay, because that's not hard to spell at all. <laughs> or you can just go to Twitter at Micah Sargent, okay. which is Micah, also not easy to spell. we're not doing a 10-hour show, I've got to know the story. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because every time you say it, I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and you can find me. I, I want to hear the story, too. All right. And you can find me at film underscore girl. All right. And uh, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>